Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. We are going to have a phenomenal time as I talk with my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Alan Arnold. He is the author of the new release, Ways of Creativity. It's unlike any book you've ever read, and I can't wait to tell you more about it. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can be a part of that mission, simply go to patreon.com slash stuff to see how you can help out. Without further ado, Alan, how are you doing today? Parker, I'm doing well, and I'm excited for our conversation, and I love what you're doing. You're one of the most creative people I know, and that comes out in your podcast, and it comes out in your writing, and just your presence. So I'm looking forward to where God takes us today. I remember when I first met you, Alan, it was at the Southern California Christian Writers Conference. And the things that you said at that conference really invigorated me. And I realized that creativity was not merely an art. It was an attitude. It was something anyone can do because we were created by someone who creates. And he creates everything. And this right. new book, Ways of Creativity, a gathering of ideas on creating with God, immerses the creative person in understanding what that means. And there's so much to this story that I want people to know about. What you do is really disrupt ideas of what creativity is and what it isn't. And to get out of creating for God, particularly with Christians, as opposed to creating with God. And you use so many different examples to do that. I follow you on Twitter, and every once in a while, I get a chance to see some of the wonderful things that you tell people, and so many people are blessed. So I'm really excited to have you back to give us that reignition for our creative spark, if you will, for the new year. We all know about 2020. We all know about 2021. Now we're in 2022, and we were supposed to have flying cars, by the way. (laughs) They're not here, though, Alan, (laughs) but we're supposed to have flying cars. We do have people flying around. You've seen those videos, people flying around and like jet packs or whatever, but no flying cars yet. So so I'm so glad, Alan, that you're here. For those people who don't know you, because we've recently started distributing in India, and we have a large following in India now. So I definitely want you to reintroduce yourself to our listeners, and particularly to our Indian listeners. We're always so grateful to have them listening in. So go ahead, reintroduce yourself. Well, my passion is helping people learn how to pursue their dreams, their creativity, their stories actively with God. And the way I try to do that is to take the things that make you come alive, whoever's listening, it's it's a variety of creative ventures, but maybe it's painting, maybe it's story, maybe it's you're a chef or a dancer or a songwriter. Whatever your creative longings are, to remind people that God infused you with those longings before you were born. And he did not do it just so you would be productive and make things happen. He did it as an invitation to bring those gifts with you to God so you can pursue them together. And so that's what I love talking to people about, teaching, writing on, which is the very thing that makes you come alive. God gave that to you almost like a homing device. So that as you pursue it, you find more of God. And and the more you pursue what you love, because it's what God gave you, the deeper you get to know God, 
by design. That's how you were designed. And most people, Parker, miss that. Most people go, wow, I really love doing this and I'm going to just work really hard and I hope God is pleased. And so it's doing things for God, which is good, but doing things with God, that's infinitely, exponentially better because it's relationship. It's not just doing stuff. It is actually in a dance with God, with what you love to do, which is what he gave you to do. So you would not only do well at that, but love the journey with God. So that's what all my books are about. That's what my life passion is, is helping people understand the presence of God in their passions. One thing about your message is that for Christians, it can be a bit disruptive. And we use that term in a loose manner because it does make people think, what am I doing with the gifts that God gave me? You always have mentioned since I've been following you is that creativity is not limited to the arts. It's the ability to create in your environment. So you can be a janitor. You can be a housewife or a home dad. You can be a business person, scientist, you are creating in that sphere and understanding what creation is and that it comes from the great creator himself. Now we begin to understand that when we create, we're not creating separately from him. We're creating with him because he gave it to us. Like you said, it's a homing device. I love that illustration because it gives us an idea of what we mean by homing. We kind of think about, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to the foundation where I was born, all those type of things when we think about the homing device. Let's just be honest and have this really frank discussion. Why do you think some Christians resist what you are saying when you say these type of things? That is a great question. And I think the reason why is because we, the bottom line, I believe, Parker, is we like to be in control of our lives. We want to be the master of our domain. We want to control our days, and we want to be sure of the outcomes. And what God does uh, on design, by design and on purpose is he invites us into a life where there's no guarantees except for him. The only guarantee that we have is if we follow God, is we get God's presence, and, and we have a life with him. But I think a lot of people don't like that sense of, I'm losing control, or, boy, that's risky, or there's unknown, or there's mystery. And so when it comes to our creative gifting, we find what we're good at and what we like, and here's the danger then at some point we start to rely on formula more than God. Oh, this works. This brought in some money or applause or recognition or validation. So I'll do more of that. And, and so we start relying on formula, do more of what works instead of going, God, that was really cool. And I loved it. But as I enter into it with you, what is the next step? What are, you, what are you initiating me into? What are you inviting me into? And perhaps it's, it's a left turn that, that looks like less income or that looks like a demotion from the world standards, or it looks like you're more hidden than shining on a hill, you know, because you're doing work in the secret places that God's given you that the world doesn't applaud. And so it, I think that's the answer why is we want the trajectory of our career to go up, 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 up. We want to make the sure bets. We want the credit. And with God, 
we realized quickly, wow, like he's inviting me into mystery and faith and, and following him. And I either get to do that and live that story, or I try to live the smaller controlled story that I can be the, the captain of. And I think that's why a lot of people's story gets smaller and smaller. And even when they're really good at what they do, it starts being repetitive and formulaic because they're, they're at the top of their game, but their game is not nearly what it could be if we were pursuing it with God, because our limits are way down and his are endless. And so it's like the Jeremiah 33.3, right? Come with me and I'll show you things beyond your wildest imagination, beyond what you have thought of, beyond what you know. But the, the condition is follow me, come with me and I'll do that not do it on your own and you just get that. And so I think that's the rub that people don't want to let go of control. They don't want to trust God with the the wildness of his dreams versus their dream. And so if that's the case, the more you keep God at a distant, you know, kind of place and do your own thing, the safer it feels, the more predictable it feels. And yet it is the smaller story and you miss the greatest invitation of all, which is God saying, the whole point was, let's do this together. You never saw yourself here as a person who will help encourage creatives, not just to create, but to create with God. Go ahead and just give us a glimpse of how your story started. Parker, my story started right about out of college when I was entering into the work world. I was becoming a very driven person. I'd been kind of a laid back kid. I wasn't always trying to make the best grades, you know, I uh, wasn't highly competitive at school. But around the end of college, I started to realize I can make things happen. And the more I make things happen, the more I'm rewarded in the work world and in personal you know, life. And so I became a very driven man. And unfortunately, that worked really well uh, in terms of promotions and getting rewarded and, and, and recognized. And I am 6'4", I, I'm a, you know, pretty big guy, physically present, uh, you know, when I walk in a room and I just, I just was a make it happen guy. And I actually was taking my life motto from a fortune in a fortune cookie, which is never a smart thing to do. I don't recommend that. But at the time in my early 20s, I had this fortune taped on my desk and it said, the one who says it can't be done should get out of the way of the one already doing it. And that became my life mantra was, hey, don't tell me what can't happen. I'll make it happen. You know, when somebody would say, well, we, we want to get this new account, but you'll never get through to the CEO. I'd be like, oh, I'll get through to the CEO. And I would fly down and I would, I would talk my way into his office, you know, and, and get the account. And so this drivenness over time, though, became more and more my validation and more and more toxic because I really started to believe I was more the more I did. And so I always had to do more to be more. And of course, that's not what God says or how scripture defines life. And so ultimately, I was on a collision course of success on the worldly level that would lead to an implosion on a heart level. And it did because you just you know, that's a high bar every day to try to do more than the day before and, and do, you know, be the impossible deal maker 
and and deliver better results every year financially. And so I finally reached the end of myself, and that happened just in short. I tell more about this uh, episode in my book, The Story of With, a little bit about this, but I went to a lunch with my boss and I had 16 employees and, and we were super successful and he brought me to lunch and I thought it was for a raise promotion, you know, compliments. And he instead said, Alan, do you know everybody on your team, all 16 think that you are a complete jerk. And he didn't use the word jerk. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing it down PG for, for this, you know, conversation but he used a much saltier word, but he said, do you know that? And honestly, Parker, I didn't know that because I was pushing myself so hard. I just thought it was normal to push everybody hard and I didn't know how to care for my own heart. So I sure didn't know how to care for their hearts. And that started in me the question that God used from then on to transform me, which was what kind of man, what kind of person do I want to be? in life? Do I want to be the person that gets things done, but that nobody wants to be around who they love the results, but not the presence of the person. And so that really started a turnaround, a deep heart level turnaround in me. And ultimately I became a person who cared more about the people than about the results. And, and that started shaping me into the man I am. And then about, Ten years ago, I was leaving publishing to go into ministry at this place called Wild at Heart, which uh, John Eldridge created this ministry. He wrote the book Wild at Heart and Captivating. He co-wrote with his wife, and it's a men and women's ministry all about the heart. Well, I was at my last publisher's conference, I thought, for writers, and it was in California at Mount Hermon in the Redwood Trees. And in the session I was teaching, I heard the Holy Spirit within me say at that time, Alan, your new mission is going after the hearts of creatives. And Parker, I didn't know what that meant. I barely had gotten my own heart back in terms of an awakened heart that that cared for others and, and was learning how to do life with a heart fully alive. But that started a journey a decade ago that I'm on still today, which is my passion is helping creatives and we're all creative every one of us, whether you're 95 or whether you're 16 or whether you're really proficient at what you do or just getting started, we're all created because we have the creator's DNA in us. He gave us our creativity, not because of us earning it, but because we're his sons and daughters. And so now I get to spend my life in my freelance time outside of my full-time job at Wild at Heart going after the hearts of creatives. And I do that through conversations like this, through books, through coaching sessions, one-on-one, through speaking events. And I love it because you see the difference when somebody starts to co-create with God, to pursue their dreams with God, that demands intimacy with God. And that intimacy with God flows well beyond their creativity to every aspect of their life. And as you said, creativity isn't just the stuff you do. We actually get to change the atmosphere for good when we approach life with God. And it's our presence that does that. Our presence saturated with the love of God and with the fruits of the Spirit, we can change the atmosphere of any room we enter, of any family dynamic, of any workplace dynamic, of any church. 
And we do that not because we're great or we're special or we're super talented, but we do that because we have the presence of God in us and flowing through us. And so when we do that, that's my definition of creativity. It's a different one than most people have. Creativity is when we pursue our gifting and our presence, what we do and who we are actively with God. And when we do that, we change the world, the atmosphere for good. And it's because of who we are and what we do if we do those things with God. That's true creativity. And I can just tell that our listeners are just thrilled by your story because many of us have been in that boat in different ways. For me, when I quit my job two years ago to write full-time, I did it impulsively, but it turned out to be the best decision ever. Those two years, I was able to spend so much time with my granny, and nothing will ever make me regret that, creating even more memories of my granny. So I definitely feel what you're saying. I know our listeners are. And this is titillating you. You've got to wait until we start to talk about waves of creativity, a gathering of ideas of creating with God. One thing I love about your book is that you open and broaden our scope of who God is. One of the most profound things that you said when I first met you was that God could have showed himself any way he wanted to in the beginning of the Bible. We would not have known the difference, but he showed himself as creator. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he said, let there be light. You sit there, you kind of go, wow, he could have showed himself as judge. He could have showed himself as teacher. He could have showed himself as anything else. We would not have known the difference. And guess what? He showed himself as creator. I read a lot of science articles. I love science. I'm very much into science. And there is an article talking about these weird patterns in nature. And the article said, what if math is embedded in nature. And I kind of went like, duh, <laughs> what do you think? You know? And they showed how these patterns, they're like, like fractals and cauliflower looks, blood vessels even. There's this pattern. I said, what if that's just God's signature on every single thing he ever created? When artists create a painting, we leave a signature. Writers leave their name. Songwriters leave their name. Why wouldn't God leave his name on his creation? We are simply mimicking the creator. So it was very fascinating. Yeah. Well, I think you're spot on. Like that is such a beautiful, hopeful insight that God's signature is on his creation in different ways. And one of the verses that, that talks about this, Parker, that I love is in Matthew 13, we're hearing about Jesus and why he tells stories and how he loves stories. And in Matthew 13, 34 through 35, verse 34 and 35 in the message translation, here's what it says. All Jesus did that day was tell stories, a long storytelling afternoon. His storytelling fulfilled the prophecy, I will open my mouth and tell stories. I will bring out into the open things hidden since the world's first days. Now, to me, that thought that God has hidden things in creation since the world's first days. In other words, as he was creating, he was hiding things for us to find and discover later, not not in the first year of the world's creation or the first decade, but in some cases, thousands of years later. You know, he was putting things in place where when we had microscopes and were able to look 
in detail at blood and the cells and how that works, we would see design that would be infinitely, you know, into the future from when the world's creation happened. And that's what I think is the beauty of God as creator, whether it's how he creates oceans or the sun or wildflowers or humans or hummingbirds. The more we discover about how we are made, the more intricate and beautiful it is. We're not random, you know, um, we're not random creatures that just kind of over time evolved from mud. We are, we are beautifully crafted and infinitely crafted and designed by a creator. And, and the more we learn, the more we see that. And that ought to give us confidence that also God is infinitely focused on who we are as a person, as a son or daughter, and, and the gifts he's given us and the future he has for us is not random and is not, you know, um, just this chaotic, you know, gosh, I, I just hope to survive to the next day, but my story makes no sense. When we start to walk well and intimately with God, even in the hard times, we sense his creative, passionate love for us. And that spills over then and how we create and how we love and, and how we change the atmosphere for good. And that is the central thing. We change the atmosphere for good. That is a sign of creativity. Now, Alan, that brings me to your newest release that you're talking about, Ways of Creativity, a gathering of ideas on creating with God. Now, we talked about the story of Wits on the show before. We've also talked about Chaos Can't. And Chaos Can't, if you haven't picked up that book, i got to tell you, but those of you who are currently experiencing chaos in your life, that book is such an inspiration to me, I know it will be an inspiration to you because Alan really gets at the heart of what chaos is, why it exists, where it came from, and then he gives you the tools to understand that chaos cannot rule. So Chaos Can't is a book you definitely have to get. Along with that, you have to pick up his newest release, Ways of Creativity. What's so unique about this book is that it makes you think as a creative. Most creatives, particularly authors, since we're gearing this toward Christian authors, we think all the time. We're always in our worlds, whether we write romance or sci-fi or fantasy or some of the darker fiction. Alan wants to disrupt your thinking, and he wants you to really consider if you are creating for God or are you creating with God. And what does that mean? What do we mean by ways of creativity? So many interesting things are in this book, and we're going to start from the beginning. What made you want to write ways of creativity. I wanted to write something that I would have loved to have read but couldn't find in the marketplace. And to me as a creative, one of the greatest motivations for something is when God gives you a hunger for something, but you can't find it. And a lot of times, Parker, that's not to frustrate us. It's an invitation. Okay, now you make that. Let's create that together. And so I was looking for a book that was filled with short, ideas on big topics about God and creativity. And I really just couldn't find it. And I mean, this is what I spend my life doing. And so I know a lot of the speakers and I know a lot of the authors and I know a lot of the podcast and, and I, and I just exhausted myself trying to find anything like this and realized then God was saying, right, you do it. Let's do it together. And so here's what it is. It's a book that basically goes into 111 themes, different themes like abundance, 
creativity, success, a balanced life, um, what it means for validation to pursue that, transformation, um, overwhelmed, passion, questions, rejection. And all of those categories have five or six, maybe one or two sentence thoughts on them that are what people use either for a daily devotion or on their nightstand. They may read a page or two a day or a theme a day. And people are using it in different ways. But the unique thing is it's not a chapter book, meaning, you know, most books have chapter one and chapter two. Well, these really take ideas and themes. And then I ask questions and I go into some thoughts that are really bite-sized thoughts on big ideas. And, And my hope is it lets people think through it, ask themselves the questions, or, or just chew on the idea. And Parker, as you know from the book, there's a lot of white space in the book because I want people to be able to take out their pen or their Sharpie, you know, their magic marker, and just underline and write and, and, and make it their own because we don't need another 300-page book to read as much as I think we need to feel like when I spend time in this, I have waves of creativity washing over me and I read a page or two and now I'm more inspired to go create with God. I don't have to read 10 pages or I don't have to read, you know, a thick book all at one sitting. I just can take a thought a day, a page a day. And I actually am restored or refreshed in what I love to do with God. So that was my heart behind it. And let me give you an example of like for the listener what this means like so i just flipped open the book and i'm on the theme of discoverability so that's one of the 111 themes and here's what one of those thoughts is the discovery process is finding out what makes you come alive it is knowing what you love to do which isn't always the same as what you're paid to do or even what comes naturally that's an example of a thought. Just And then as a, a reader, my question would be, so where do you go when you hear that? What what does that stir in you? What, what questions does it raise? Um, what does it inspire? Um, and it really is throughout the whole book, like in Dreams, uh, the next section, it says, here's one, spend more time remembering dreams for your future than limitations from your past. If God has given you a dream, He will see it through. You know, somebody may read that and that may be all they need for the day. But I also have 10 more thoughts like that in the next two pages on dreams. And so that's what I really want to invite people into is examine your life, your creativity, understand why God gave you the gifting, understand the power of the gifting, understand the invitation that when you create It matters more than you think because it's not only changing the atmosphere around you, it's changing your heart. It's changing how you see God. And and creativity is the best way to know God as creator. As we step into our creativity, our gifting, our dreams, that's the best way to know God as a dream giver, as a creator, and as a rescuer of hope. And so those are the invitations on every page throughout the book. And that's why I named it Waves of Creativity is I want people to feel like as they're reading it, they're being washed with these waves of 
just creativity and of hope and of passion that refresh them and stir them to greater creativity with God. A unique aspect about the book as well is that it begins with an allegory, and it's a group of people that is with a woman who has taken them on a journey of creativity. As you read the allegory, which is the biggest part of this book, because the rest of it is, as Alan said, ideas for you to explore and really think about, there were more people who started off with the woman, and only seven people are left at the beginning of this journey. And there's a reason for that, and we alluded to it earlier in the broadcast. Now, I won't tell you about it because I want you to go ahead and pick up your copy of Ways of Creativity, a Gathering of Ideas on Creating with God. Now, I'm going to suggest something. I would suggest you get this in paperback. And the reason why I want you to get it in paperback is because it's not formatted straight through in, in simple text or sans serif text. It is written out. It's in cursive. It's in uh, print. It's in many different ways. And it does that because each time you look at it, you see something different. It actually invigorates your visual creativity as well as your thought processes. And some of us who are more visually stimulated, this book helps out. But those of us who like the different ideas, it helps out too. So I'm going to suggest that you pick up the paperback copy of this because reading it, having that in your hand, You're not just reading his work, you're immersing yourself in his work. And that's something big I always mention about the immersive quality of art. For example, there is on page 21 in the paperback book, Alan talks about art. And I'm going to read what he says here. He says here, creating art is both personal and sacrificial. It begins with the pursuit of what brings us life. But for it to be more than a vanity project, it must also address a felt need or point of pain of the end user, not simply point back to us. Our art is from us, yet not only for us. Sanitized art is safe art. The more honest art is always painted with the scars of our stories. The canvas is the place your art and your heart intersect. Practice the art of creating and releasing. Your art isn't mostly about you. Yes, you play an essential role in its creation. But if you tie your validation to its performance or start to think you're the focus, you put a burden on the art that it was never meant to carry. Create, then release, and step out of the way. You are always becoming more or less of something. Your art follows that trajectory. And there's a couple of more pieces here, but it's just something for you to think about Because as authors, particularly, we create stories. We love to tell stories. We want people to be invigorated, to be transformed even by our stories. That's why it always hurts when someone doesn't like the story. Wouldn't you say, Alan? Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, when we create, I like to see our truest creativity as an offering for people. It's an offering to God and it's an offering to people. And, and, you know, I, I think when we create out of unhealthy motivation, it's to validate ourselves. to, we want others to like us or to applaud or, or somehow to, to show us we have what it takes, but, and that's not a hundred percent bad to want people, but the desire is to let it be an offering for people. And so when you give it to people and say, I made this for you, I hope it's helpful. Well, yeah, everything in us wants people to respond and and accept it and be changed for good from our stories from our art when somebody looks at something we've created and goes ah 
that's not that big of a deal. Or, you know, shrugs and walks away or yawns or spits at it. That can be hurtful. But what we have to do, what I found, Parker, is allow our creativity that God's given us to come out and create for the hungry and realize that's enough. Like when I create with God, that act of creation is success. So my success as a creative person isn't based on what other people say, but on did I do this with God? If I created with God, that is success before one person can buy the story or one person can experience that piece of art. I've already had success. And then whatever happens after that, we get to sit back and watch what God's up to. But the, the good thing about that is we don't put our validation, we don't tie it to other people's response. We create, we offer it to the hungry, and then we step out of the way. We release it and we see what God is up to for it. And I found with authors especially, you know, let's talk for about authors for a second. When you're a writer, one of the hardest seasons, I believe, of a writer's trajectory between an idea and the book becoming a reality, so like all of the writing, everything that leads up to that, and then from the release of the book onward, a lot of times the hardest part is the first 60 days of release. So the book is created, it's published, whether you self-publish it or whether you have a publisher, it's out there. It's so hard for writers at that point not to tie the whole validation of that idea and that project to whether it sells well, to what the reviews are on Amazon, to the response, whether it's zero sales and no response or negative reviews or whether it does very little like it's so hard at that point in the journey of a of an author to go, God, I've released the results to you. It's an offering. I've offered it to you. And whatever happens from here, I'm good because I created it with you and I offered it to others. And I'm not in charge of what happens from there. And I'm sure not tying my validation to what happens from there. And so, Parker, a lot of times the hardest part of the creative process I've found isn't the idea isn't the writing, isn't the getting it ready for publication, but it's now that it's out there, how do you release it well? Release it meaning I've released the book and release it meaning I've in the sole way I've released it from any power over me. And so, for instance, uh, I have three books out, as you've said, I have not read one review on Amazon for any of the three. And the story of with has, you know, several hundred and the other books have quite a few. And I just have learned that's not really helpful for my soul, even though like for the story of with there's five star average. So most of them I'm assuming are, are pretty good because the overall, you know, combination of the rating is really good, but it would not be helpful for me because if you read 10 reviews and nine are great and one is not, which one are you going to remember? You're going to, it's human nature to focus on the one that's not. And so there are ways to take care of your soul as a creative that I found are super helpful. And one of those is don't do things that don't bring you life. And so if you're not looking for validation from reviews, don't read the reviews, you know, let that go. 
and spend time creating the next thing with God instead of worrying what people think of the last thing you created. If I'm at a writer's conference or if I'm in a group of people and somebody comes up and says, hey, Alan, I want to give you my thoughts on your book. I love that because then it's a conversation. I can see their facial expression. You know, you can ask questions um, and you can listen and you can get to know that person. And so I love that because I do want feedback in that way. But what I found for me personally is written reviews from anonymous people uh, where you're not even sure if they've really read the book or not even, or you don't know what their agenda is. You don't know, you know, uh, if they even love God or even, you know, you don't even know anything. Then to me that I've said, that's not healthy for me because I want to respond, not defend, but just respond. But there's not a good way to do that. And I keep thinking of what they said, but I can't really engage. So I think everybody has to go, what, what brings me life after I create something, a painting, you know, uh, a gourmet meal, um, you know, you paint a room, whatever it is, what, what brings you life after that? And if it's listening to other people's feedback, great. But the danger there is you start to hear people's feedback more than God's feedback. And the most important feedback you can get is to ask God, what do you think of what we created, God? And when you hear that, human validation really loses its power to lift you up or to pull you down. And constructive criticism is good. It's helpful. But but the main thing is you want to know what God thinks of your creativity. I liken the experience to per, being on a stage, if you will, and he is the audience of one. I don't want to say performance, but our lives are like a performance. And he can view every aspect of it. And what would he think of it at the end? And I'm using that very loosely. Our lives are a song that he can listen, play, that he can watch. It's a movie and the book he can read. You know, there's all these various mediums of art and creativity. As we get to the end of our discussion here today, Alan, I just want to say I really thoroughly enjoyed it. We read a few excerpts. We talked about who is this really for. And it's for everyone who is a creative. What was really mind-blowing to me in this book is that you have these really big ideas expressed simply. And I think that's just something that over time you've excelled at. I've seen your writing change, and you've excelled at taking really massive ideas like art. And I just read, what, two pages (laughs) about it, and I know our listeners are like, wow, that's really profound. And I find that God tends to work in a very simple and it's often the simplest things that are hard to do. Because they're so hard to do when you can't accomplish them with him, that's why you said human validation, you don't begin to need it. And that's something we have to grow into. I don't think that's something we can do it right away. I'm pretty sure you were somewhere. You, you mentioned it. You mentioned about being driven and right. fighting yourself all the time and pushing yourself all the time. So what are some of your final thoughts on ways of creativity, a gathering of ideas on creating with God? In order to create great art, it always requires great heart. In other words, when we create, we either do so from a place of numbness and emptiness, looking for validation from others, hoping they like it. If they don't, we're, we're devastated. Or we create from an awakened heart with God, and then there's such joy because you're kind of bulletproof. Like at that point, I had so much fun doing this with God. Yeah, it was hard work. 
And yes, I had to master the craft and, and it's not a piece of cake to do it. But whether I'm an architect or a teacher or a painter or a writer, I have put in the time with God. I love what I'm doing. And now I can release it from a whole heart and I can just basically be content and satisfied with that. But to create from an awakened heart, we have to take care of our soul. And you can't come into the creative process empty and expect it to fill you. God has to fill you. This book, Parker, my main goal was it's almost like fuel. Um, it's, it's a way to fill yourself with more thoughts, more passion, more desire for creating with God. And then whatever you want to create, whatever dream you're pursuing, you're in a better place to do that. And so that's my hope for people with the book is read a page, read a few sentences, find what's speaking to you that day. You don't have to read the book in order. You know, I just flipped it open and it's on peace. And so here's one of the scripture passages, 1 Corinthians 14, 33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. So that thought alone, like, man, some days when I'm creating, I need that is I feel like life is chaotic. I feel my world is chaotic. And God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. God, bring peace into my creativity. Bring order into my creativity, which, you know, you started the podcast quoting Genesis 1, right? Well, Genesis 1, verse 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, verse 1. Verse 2 was, and then the spirit goes into the murky darkness, the empty void, depending on your translation, into chaos. And from there, verse three, what we see is the creation act begin. And so with God, we can go into the empty places of this world, the void places. We can take our own empty feelings and we can say, God, fill me up with your presence. And now from that place, I want to create beauty in life and order. And that's what the last quote I'll give you from the book is in this piece section so John 16:33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And after that verse, I say, Jesus says we are to take heart because he has already overcome the entire world. It's the difference between a ship's captain saying, in this sea are icebergs, but don't worry, and don't worry, because I've already overcome the entire sea. So when we step into what we love to do in these chaotic days, in this season of constant disruption and disorder and craziness, and the news always has some, you know, unbelievable story of, you know, crisis that's overwhelming. But we can still step into this world and our gifting and know Jesus has overcome the world, and he comes so that we may have peace, even in a world of trouble. He tells us to take heart. So that's what this book is about. How do you nurture your heart? How do you have peace? How do you step into a world of chaos and create something beautiful with God? And I hope that your listeners will read it, and I hope more than that, they will be different because of the experience of this as these waves of creativity wash over them.
and you also work at Wild at Heart. And you guys recently started a new initiative for people. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, Wild at Heart is the ministry uh, of John and Stacy Eldridge. It's in Colorado. And it's all about the whole belief that when people ask Jesus why he came, he quotes Isaiah, come to heal the brokenhearted and set the captives free. So it's a ministry of freedom and of heart and, and helping people's hearts come alive. And so that's a beautiful place. If you have not discovered Wild at Heart, you can go to the website, wildatheart.org. And there's a lot of free resources. We have weekly podcasts. Uh, I'm in many of the podcasts with John that we do. He and Stacy do others. Um, but they're always about how to discover more of your story with God. And we also have video resources on the website, um, just, just a wealth of content. And then, uh, Parker, I have a website. If people are interested in specifically how to pursue their creativity with God, my website is withallen, W-I-T-H-A-L-L-E-N.com. And on the website, they can sign up uh, for free daily readings. And, and if, if they want to be encouraged in pursuing their creativity with God, I have something where Monday through Friday, they get just a short daily reading on how to see their identity in Christ, how to see their invitation from God to co-create, and how to pursue that in some practical ways. And so uh, I invite people to sign up for those daily readings. There's free videos and, and other resources, blog posts and things on that site as well. Alan, I really enjoyed our conversation thoroughly, and we always have such a good time when we talk, and I'm always so invigorated by your words as a creative, reminded of what needs to be done, which is to create with God, not for God, and I like how you gently rebuke us, saying there's nothing wrong with creating for God, but there's a greater intimacy when you create with God, because he's part of every part of the process, whether you're a writer a singer, a painter, a janitor, a housewife, a teacher, a surfer. It doesn't matter. You're creating with God. I like to quote Hank Hennegraaff from back in the day where he said God gave us his communicable attributes of creativity. We can't create worlds like he can, but we can create worlds on paper. We can create visual images. We can create a world within our home of peace, happiness, joy, you can protect your home to be a place of refuge in a chaotic world. So that's what Alan means about creativity. Everyone can and has and can continue to do it. So make sure you pick up your copy of Ways of Creativity, a gathering of ideas on creating with God. It's available at Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Alan, once again, thank you so much for being with us on the show today, and I cannot wait to have you back and have you back real soon. Thank you, Parker. It's been a joy. And we were talking today to Alan Arnold. He is the author of the book, Waves of Creativity, a gathering of ideas on creating with God. He always just gives us food for thought, food to carve up and, and look at, and look at the ingredients of it. He just gives us so many wonderful things to think about as creatives. I know so many of you want to write a book. You always say, I want to write that book. I want to write that book. Why aren't you doing it? Are you writing it with God? Are you letting the Lord lead you in your creative process? Or are you simply just sitting there hoping, but you aren't doing anything? This show is always about using the gift that God gave you to go ahead 
and pick up the pen and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of the show. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.